0: Welcome to the High Reliability Podcast. My name is Peter Martin, the president of Goslin Martin Associates. We haven't had a High Reliability Podcast in quite some time, so we're happy to to get back at it. This afternoon or today, I'm joined by two experienced facility management professionals, Charles C.J. Brown and Pete Girard. Each is an experienced facility operations professional with many years of hospital and healthcare experience in the New England area. C.J. Brown is currently the Director of Engineering at Women and Infants Hospital in Providence, Rhode Island. C.J. has his Bachelor of Science focused in registered nursing, and he's a registered nurse. C.J. also served 15 years in the United States Coast Guard. He worked as a nurse, and he put in six years of active duty in the Coast Guard. Pete Girard is presently Facility Manager at Addison Gilbert Hospital, a member of Beth Israel Leahy Health in Gloucester, Massachusetts. Pete has a CHFM, he's got a bachelor's in business administration, and he's working towards a master's degree in project management. Both CJ and Pete are extremely active and passionate in the New England Healthcare Engineering Society, which is better known as NEHES. Founded in 1958, NEHES has been an award-winning chapter for professionals in the six-state New England region. NEHES was also awarded Platinum Elite Status in 2018. CJ is president of the Rhode Island Healthcare Engineer Society. He also leads their education and career development section. Pete is presently president of NEHI's Not an Insignificant Task in this Strange Year that we call 2020. Pete and CJ join me on a Friday afternoon. Welcome to both of you.
1: Thank you, Pete. Thanks, Pete. Glad to be here.
0: Thank you, gentlemen. That first voice you heard was CJ. The second voice you heard there was Pete. So, Let's jump right into it. There's no better way to end a Friday afternoon than talking on a podcast. CJ, let's start with you, um, giving your interesting background in the Coast Guard as a nurse. Tell us a little bit about your career path. And then also, how does a nursing background benefit you working in the director role?
2: You know, Pete, you know, obviously, as you said, it's a very interesting background and not one that you very often hear of in facilities management. Um, so, you know, obviously I did, as you stated, six years active duty in the Coast Guard. When I was in the Coast Guard, I was what they call as a machinery technician, which is essentially, you know, HVAC tech, diesel mechanic, um, kind of jack of all trades. So as I was getting ready to get off active duty, um, and transition into the civilian workforce, I was looking around trying to figure out what I was going to do. You know, part of my role in the Coast Guard is also law enforcement and a EMT, so I initially went towards the law enforcement side and decided that, you know, the way things were going, I didn't really want to go law enforcement in 2007. So my girlfriend, who is now my wife, um, said, hey, you know, you're, you've done medical. What about nursing? So I was like, sure, you know, that makes sense. So I jumped into the nursing program at the Community College of Rhode Island, um, got through that, started working as an associate degree nurse, immediately went on and got my uh, bachelor's in nursing while I was working at the long-term care facility. Um, and while I was there, their director of maintenance um, left. So I went to the administrator of the facility and s- approached him about the director of maintenance, And you know, which he looked at me and he was like, you're a registered nurse. What do you know about air conditioning? <laughs> so <laughs> I gave him my resume and gave him some references and he called the references from all over the country and the next day he came to me and said, holy cow, I, I didn't realize you had this background. So why do you want to get out of nursing and go maintenance? And I was like, well, you know, I would love to get my master's in healthcare administration and eventually be an administrator of a, a long-term care facility or, you know, get into the hospitals and, you know, work my way up into the C-suite. And he was like, all right, well, you know what? I'm going to give you a shot. Um, and he gave me the shot. And, you know, that was 2012, 2011. Um, and since I've gotten into the facilities, I just haven't looked back. And then the master's got put on hold cause I've had three children now and just haven't had a chance to go back and get the master's degree. But so it was definitely unplanned. Um, yeah, thanks and, to your wife, and then, huh? you know, being, yeah, exactly. Thanks to my wife and being a nurse, especially in the hospital. Um, you know, it, I think it, it gives me a different outlook, you know, while I haven't worked as a nurse in many years having that clinical understanding and that clinical background, um, you know, I can easily relate and work with the nurses on the floors, the nurse directors, the nurse managers, the CNO. um, And they, they listen to me when it comes to clinical things also, you know, they're like, all right, you know, you get what we're going through. um, So what do you recommend? And, you know, we're just really, we work really well. It makes for a great team here. um, And I think it's helped me quickly move from a manager to a director in the healthcare industry.
0: That's great. Nice uh, background. I got to tell you that I think, I don't know if this is our 15th or 16th podcast. The favorite line out of all of the 16 is you're a registered nurse. What do you know about HVAC?
1: CJ, you're... it's funny. I started in, um, I started in long-term care as well. And I was thinking about becoming an administrator and, um, or I wanted to go work in the hospitals. That was my goal. Yeah, and um, it's funny that we kind of have the same background in that one.
2: Yeah, Pete, yeah. I have to say, you know, when I think a couple of years ago you mentioned it to me that you started in long term care, and I
1: oh, maybe of, we did talk about it then. Yeah, it was
2: a brief conversation. I think of all the people that I know in Nihis, yeah. I don't know of anyone else besides you and I that have transitioned from long term care to the hospitals.
1: Yeah, it's definitely different. I learned a lot of long term care, but it's it's definitely. Um, being in the hospitals is it's a totally different game. It's uh, definitely faster, and <laughs> there's yeah. a lot more going on. But but I agree. You being a nurse, what a what a great um, background to have. Just even to 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 like you said, w- when I go into some of these departments, um, I was new to to the hospital field. For, I mean, I've been I've been here for a year. Before this, I was with Dartmouth Hitchcock, um, and I had primarily um, um, just clinical. Facilities, mm-hmm. except for um, the the ASC that I had, but um, but if I that having that knowledge and background of, of and and what they're really dealing with, you, sometimes I don't think that we understand what they're trying to do. And you have that better background; it's great. Thank you. Let me
0: let me ask you guys both of you a question, um, Pete. You brought it up, and you both have that background. So, when we're doing our um, recruitments, when we're working for hospitals. We'll often talk to them about people from long-term care. You guys both made the jump. What? What? And Pete, you talked about the fast pace. Let me ask: What carried over from long-term care into the hospital environment? So, what? What carried over? What worked for you? Other than maybe Joint Commission, if the Joint Commission came in to, to survey you, but what? Are, what are the similarities? Well,
1: we had um, um, DHHS was our who surveyed us? We had a uh, dementia wing. Um, so that was our only really um, healthcare part of the building. Uh, but in that within that, that was probably in my first facility, that was probably the most demanding part. And I really learned a lot on um, on um, it, it, at least it gave me some idea of of what I'd be going to when i when I got to a hospital with 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 the surveys. And kind of the things they were looking for, um, but I think I gained a lot too from um, the nurses that work there. Those nurses at, at long-term care, they're usually they're usually the newer nurses, but um, but you you're working hand in hand with them, and um, and they've given me a they gave me a lot of insight because before that, really, I was I the only I was in construction, and so going into this building, I was you know I was kind of new to a lot of the HVAC stuff, but they wanted me for my construction background because there was a lot of repairs to be done and all that good stuff.
2: Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll echo what, what Pete said, you know, the, the facility side in the long-term care facility. So I was in a, was it 120 bed long-term care facility with a dementia unit, um, skilled rehab unit. And it was myself and two maintenance mechanics. Um, and, you know, I had to be a working manager and, You know, I really had to understand how the facility worked. And that is something that I've carried. You know, when I came to South County Hospital, I learned exactly how the mechanical systems worked, where all the pipings were. And that was also something I carried over from the Coast Guard. You know, when you got to a new boat in the Coast Guard, you had to do a one line drawing of all the mechanical systems on that boat, where the valves were, where, you know, where did it serve, you know, truly understand the systems and that's something that I've always carried with me. You know, I just don't take it for granted and, you know, I take my guys and I highly respect the team that I work with. Um, but I need to know the systems personally to make sure. And it's the only way to do it as a director, I feel. Um, so that's something that I've always carried with me.
1: Yeah, Yeah. And we were also, we were, you were probably like me, you were in charge of, you were the safety committee mm-hmm. and, we, and we handled, um, all the, um, you know, the emergency drills and all that good stuff. So so I, I did learn an enormous amount there, but unfortunately the, the industry doesn't <laughs> pay well for that kind of role. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, and not that Pete, maybe you'll agree with me on this, but not that joint commission surveys are easy, but when it came from doing the yearly department of health DOH survey, which I had one surveyor in my nursing home for four days doing life safety, 60,000 square foot facility for four days to then coming when I had my first joint commission survey at South County hospital. And it was two days. I was like, that was it. Holy cow. That was was a lot easier than I thought. (laughs) And it's not to say that it's easy, but it just, it wasn't, you know, it was different.
1: Right. And now, and now we have somebody that handles all our documents and we did all that stuff ourselves back then. So it really gives you, it really gets you in the weeds and you're learning you know you're learning what happens um and now now we have you know a whole bunch of people doing what we did back then basically so exactly
0: what what piece of advice Interesting. Would either one of you give somebody who's thinking of making the jump and Pete you're right i mean there's a difference monetarily you know going from long term care to healthcare you're going to make more on the facility side but Outside of the money part of it, is there a piece of advice you would provide to somebody who might be in long-term care, they're thinking of making the jump to facili- to healthcare facilities? What would you tell them?
2: Join Nihis, join ASHI, start networking, start attending the conferences, and you're going to learn what you don't know. Um, you know. If I have two candidates come to me from long-term care, and one of them is active in NEHI's, And they both have the same exact experience and the other one's never been active in Nihis or Ashi. I'm going to take the one that's been active in Nihis just because it shows that they have that interest in growing professionally.
1: And I have that same point of view as CJ on this, but a little bit different because for me, I took the initiative. There was, um, I mean, I worked for Genesis Healthcare, who's all over the country. Nobody in my area had any interest in going to the New Hampshire chapter meetings, and I'm like, you know, I need to learn about this stuff. Um, and this is—they're going to give me all this stuff for twenty-five bucks a year. I go, I'm, I'm getting involved, and then you, then you meet people, and, and that's how you get ahead. I mean, I met the people who got me into Dartmouth, and then I met Peter Martin, mm-hmm. and we've been—I've known you now for quite a while. And, um, and, and you are, and you just knew who I was and you thought that this job would be a good fit for me and it was a perfect fit. So
2: oh, yeah. And Peter had the same thing with me. Um, when I was at the long-term care, I got into Nihis. um, I remember first spring seminar I went to, I was sitting next to Wes Pooler. Yep. And he was Great like, job. Hey, you're from Rhode Island. We, we, you should be our chapter rep. And I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and then the next year, Jim Carroll took it over, um, but met Peter Martin and, you know, that's how I got the job at South County Hospital. and That's how I got yeah. the job here,
1: um,
2: well, and I no, jumped right
1: into it. I was the New Hampshire chapter rep the second year that I was in um, in that w- involved the in Yeah, and the second year, I
2: was involved in Niihese. Is when we did the Newport Spring Seminar. So
1: wow, that's well, that great. Was
2: just,
0: <laughs> that was your We're second a fall year, huh? In.
2: Yeah, second beautiful second or third year was a fall conference in Newport.
0: It's a beautiful location. Um, beautiful location. So let's actually let's let's jump a little bit. Into that realm because it's obviously an interesting time. So, if you recall from the from the uh, introductions, Pete is the president of Nihis. CJ is the president of the Rhode Island Engineer Society. He also leads Nihis Education and Career Development. So, um, these two gentlemen heavily involved. Let's just start with this year. And Pete, let's go to you. You're the president during a very strange year. What are What are the I mean, outside of the COVID, which is a challenge. What are the challenges that you faced, and and how have you you know, how have you served as president during this time?
1: Uh, it's definitely been interesting and funny that me and CJ have worked together um, this whole last year, which has been great. So um, um, I guess I would be considered the first virtual president because I never, <laughs> we never really had a function where I was there.
0: <laughs> so there wasn't one um, huh? yeah. because by March. Yeah, everything was closed by March. Right. And then, yes.
1: Wow. Yeah. Right before that, we had to we we fought and fought. We were going to have it. We were going to have it, and then it just didn't make sense. Um, we had too many um, high visibility people to to um, to say that this was going to be okay. That we all get together.
2: <laughs> it, yeah, was, it yeah. was during
1: that questionable. Yeah, yep. Um, so point. I think the hardest thing that we that, that we've done this year has been um, there's there was there was no. Policies, procedures for anything that we've done, so we had to come up with virtual platforms. Figure out how we were going to help our um, all our members. I mean, we're there for them for education, which they rely on to keep their certifications. Um, we are we're there for for networking with our supported members, and they were upset that they weren't going to be able to get FaceTime with us either. Um, and some of those, you know. If if they're stagnant, I mean that means they're not making money. So we're 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 there to help all all these people in our industry. Um, but um, I I think that we did a really good job. Um, we were lucky to have um, CMP Management, who once we came up with ideas, they just ran with them, and they they um, brought you know some virtual platforms to us, mm-hmm. and um, and I think I from from what we've been told, everything really went well this year um, they, um, everybody enjoyed the fall conference. Um, um, it, it, it was more interactive than people thought. And, and I think that most people were pleasantly surprised CJ, what do you think? I mean, you were right there with me.
2: Yeah. I, uh, echo everything you said, Pete. Um, and the other thing, you know, we've really looked at how as a society we're giving and providing education to Are active and supporting members. So one of the things we rolled out, you know, the and we talked with all the chapters, the state chapters, is that you know they weren't having their monthly educational meetings either. So as a group, how can the six states come together and provide educational content? So we started rolling out monthly webinars, where you know every month a different state got assigned a month. Um, So not only are we now providing the spring and the fall, we're also doing monthly educational sessions for free for the active members and supporting members. Um, so it was definitely different, um, kind of flying by the seat of our pants a lot of the way through it. I think it was Pete, what was it? Maybe three weeks before the spring seminar that we pulled the trigger and canceled.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it was close.
0: I remember getting that email from you guys and didn't you initially, um, I think I recall like during the first phases, didn't you, I think there was a question and you guys could correct me because you lived it. Um, asking members, would you attend in person if we held it? I think that didn't, it did it start at that? And then as things started to go downhill everywhere, it went from that to a yeah. cancellation. Is that kind of how it, it, was that the iteration for you?
1: Yeah, we sent a survey out and asked everybody correct. Yeah. What and did people you know, say at that were point in time? It was, it was really a mix because um, a lot of people were told that there's no way they could go. They couldn't, they weren't allowed to go into another state. Um, and some of them just didn't think it was the right thing to do, which, which that's really how we determined to cancel as, um, as, as being a leader, how can we um, tell other people that they shouldn't be, um, you know, um, hmm. keeping, you know, um, isolated hmm. and keeping away from people when, when we're not following that.
2: Yeah. yeah. I remember, I can't remember who said it, but. Um... It was
1: Paul Cantrell.
2: Paul can't, exactly. Thank you. Nope. Paul was like, you, know, as, you go, Paul. You know, how can we come together as an industry? And, you know, it was right after the big outbreak happened in Boston, where I think it was all the biomedical facilities, or biomedical yeah. people got together.
0: Wasn't it Biogen, um, was right? Like, in Cambridge.
2: Yeah, Biogen. Yeah. He was like, what are we, how are we going to look as a society if that, if we're next? Mm. And we take out every hospital director in New England.
0: What a great point. What huh? then?
2: <laughs> Wow, and it was like enough said.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> I think we canceled it that day. <laughs> yeah, I think we did also. As soon as that statement came out, which was it, was it was great. So that's why you know when we all get together, we usually come up with some pretty good ideas.
0: Yes, no, it's true. I mean, and that's that's part of I think what what has suffered these days. You talked about um, that you thought the the interactive part of the seminar of the um, fall seminar, what went better than you expected it to. Can you just elaborate on that? W- what went like, what was the expectation as far as the interactive and what actually ended up happening for you to say, you think it worked better than you had anticipated?
1: Well, so when, when we first went to everybody and told them that there was going to be, um, so <laughs> the supported members, they had like their own, um, um they had their own virtual rooms that people could go visit them in and uh, so it was kind of like before um um CJ what was it was it did it was there was a virtual booth too right Correct. so they they went to their virtual booth and it, when they got in there it had information about their company so somebody could read up on it um and it also allowed the virtual people, business card yep the virtual business card and then it allowed people to go and and physically talk to one or two people from them, so they had their own little um, Zoom meeting within within the within the um, platform, and and s- some of the worries was well, how are we going to get people to come to us? And we kind of did um, what what we've seen in a lot of other conferences where there were some games involved. If you, if you, if you saw, you know, the whoever saw the most people and got to talk to the most people, they got a prize and, and, and things like that. And, um, and most of the, most of the vendors that we talked to were pretty happy about the, um, the exposure and the amount of people that they got to talk to.
2: Yeah. I, I, again, agree wholeheartedly with what you said, Peter, you know, Leading up to it, everyone was concerned that, you know, especially the supporting members, they're like, look, I, I rely on my booth and having people come by and, you know, talk to me and interact and, you know, it's being virtual, it's not going to be the same. But I have to say, like, you know, on my side as an active member, I actually went into booths that I normally wouldn't have during the in-person because yeah. I would have quickly looked at it and been like, yeah, I don't have any use for that. I already ha- I'm already working with someone, so I don't have any use for that. But being virtual, I was like, you know what? Let me just pop in and see what they have to offer. Let me talk to them. Um, and I've actually brought in two new vendors that I've never worked with before after the fall conference now.
0: Huh. Interesting. So. Did, did, um, did you guys during the fall conference, did you stay engaged the whole time with the online component or did you come and go from your desk? How did you work that?
1: I was on my computer the whole time (laughs) when when I, when we weren't in a session and we weren't having a meeting talking about what's going on. I was talking to the support members. I was trying to talk to every vendor I could. And then after the, after the day was over, the group got together, the, um, the, the fall conference group, which CJ was in charge of. Um, and we all got together and said, Hey, what went well, what didn't go well, what can we do tomorrow to make this better? Yeah. Um, and it really, it really came off really well. Um, oh, what was the other point I wanted to make? Oh, one of the one of the really good things that I took away from this too, and I think that we're going to try to incorporate it moving forward is because we recorded all these events, all these um, presentations. We gave everybody the option after to be able to view them, so now they're able to bring this back to their team. And let them get some education that they might not have been able to get, because there's no way you can send your whole team to a conference. It's impossible. Right? right. Yeah. And we're, we're, I continue. think that's something we're going to continue moving forward.
2: Yeah, it is hard enough just as the the director or the director to get out. Sometimes, um, you know, I tried to stay on as much as possible, um, running the hospital without a uh, a backup manager. Right now, it was it was tough. There were times where I just had to break off because I couldn't yeah leave it, um but I would say probably ninety percent of the time I was in front of the computer, watching different seminars, interacting with supporting members. Um, so
0: it's going to be tough for you guys to sit in front of a computer for three days when you're used to not doing that you know you're used to being up and about and kind of on the run, so a little bit little bit of a change for you, huh.
2: I would say yes and no. I mean, again, with COVID this year, I've been in my office probably more than I have in the past because every meeting I have is zoom, Microsoft teams, Google meet. So leading up to it, you know, it's been a lot of office time.
1: Um, Yeah. I I feel the same way. I've, I've, well, for me too, this is going, it was a tough year for me. Um, This was my year being a president, a, a new job, which I had a lot to learn on and, 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 like CJ said, I spent so much time in my office. It was, it was tough for me to, to learn a lot of the things that I should have. So, um, you know, whenever I had a chance, I was working extra hours just to, to try to get on top of everything else.
0: Yeah. It's quite the year. So to start. It's, it's,
1: year. Definitely been, it's been really a difficult year for sure. Um, yeah, and, true. and with the, with the whole COVID thing, it's just, you know how that all, this has all been going now. Now who knows? Um, like, Massachusetts right now, they're saying there's there's a um um a curfew now of nine thirty at night. They want people to wear masks out in public. Um yeah. we're we're having on our campuses we have signs. We just brought in signs to tell everybody people are to wear a mask um inside and outside at all times. So
2: Yeah, yeah but I do <laughs> just put the same thing in effect for Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs>
0: Yes. We, we wouldn't have to talk about that. But yeah, no, I agree. We're all in, the, uh, all in the same boat. And I mean, as you guys know, I'm in Rhode Island. I live in Massachusetts. Our office is just outside of Boston. But I have family in Rhode Island. I mean, New England is so small. You're crossing borders all the time. I mean, Pete, you're going up to New Hampshire, I'm sure. CJ, you're going around. So it's oh, yeah. yeah. You just do what you do. But anyway, <laughs> I was going to say... Um, you know, one of the things that we, how, how do you guys, and, and you alluded to a little bit, Pete, but in a normal year, because you have had normal years where you've worked in healthcare facilities and you've been, you know, significant components of, of, of the Nihis management team, non-COVID year, yep. how do you balance, how do you balance work with the Nihis commitment, which I know is substantial for you? And more importantly, how do you balance it? But also how do you get that buy-in from your organization to allow you to do what you do?
1: Well, I'm lucky in the fact that first I was at Dartmouth-Hitchcock and um, Jonah Roberts was there, and he was a huge supporter of the New Hampshire chapter, Nehis, all of that stuff. Um, and then I moved on to um, Beth Israel Leahy and Ed Lydon is my boss. Ed is heavily involved in Ashy and Nehe's. And and um, just a great resource, so I'm. Uh, I feel really lucky that I've, I've had people that that um that have that have let me do this because it is it it does take away a little bit from my job, but on the other hand, too, I, I have to put in the extra time when I need to, to to make sure that my that my hospital and facilities are functioning. But it's it has not been easy for sure. I'm, I'm I think I feel pretty lucky that uh, that I have the buy-in from my from my upper management.
2: Yeah. And I, again, I'm extremely lucky, you know, um, being here in Care, New England, you know, Jim Carroll, who's the director at Butler Hospital, one of my sister hospitals, he's been involved for years. Um, and then my former vice president, Dave Duncan, from day one, he has been an extreme advocate for Nihis and Ashy. Um, You know, early September, I was asked to uh, potentially be the secretary for 2021 for Nihis, So I went to Dave Duncan. I was like, "Look, I know it's going to take a little bit more. Um, you know, I just want to make sure I have your blessing if I go that route." And he was like, "It's not even a question. Yes, do whatever you can do to further your ability with Nihis. I fully support you, and we'll do whatever we have to do to make sure you can run your hospital and also be an active member in Nihis." Um, so I've just been very fortunate, um, and even with Dave Duncan moving on now. Um, my current CEO and president of the hospital, who I do re- report to now, she is absolutely supportive of continuing education, doing what you need to do to stay active in the in the networking industry.
1: Um, another thing that I, when I first was um, being interviewed here, our um, COO Craig Williams, he actually started about a week before I did, and um, and he his 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 biggest question for me was how are you going to go from a more of a clinical background to being in the hospitals and um and and making sure that you can keep all our facilities up to date and and up to and be um up to date with with joint commission and all that and uh, and i said well i'm lucky I, I i that's pretty easy because i've been doing it for years even without being in the hospital field that i've been an active part of ashi nihis and the new hampshire chapter who has brought more education? I've learned. I've learned about the hospitals before I even started here, which was a great experience for me.
0: Yeah, you. Can, I mean, your both of your career paths are are great advertisements for Nihis and engineering societies. Because um, I mean, you, it 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 certainly advanced your careers, and you you took advantage of everything that they provided to you.
1: Without a doubt, without oh, absolutely. HR. You know, one of the oh, things, and, did, and my, my scholarships, yeah, they've they've put me through school, both both my bachelor's and now my master's, which I'll be done in another year. So,
0: boy, that's great, that's great. And you know, along those lines, to both of you, I mean, we hear
1: again, we'll take COVID off the table
0: because hopefully that comes, you know, <laughs> within a certain period of time that goes away, hopefully. Um, but relevant to um, even before COVID, with with the busyness of your role and really with the busyness of everybody people have feared that you're losing that you know those personal connections that you guys just spoke to you know that that face-to-face learning that is and the and the um not only the face-to-face but the the networking that organizations like Nihis allow for do you guys fear that that will continue or do you, do you think that's you know overblown and how do you try to guard against that? If that? You know, how do you try to guard against people just going off and being stuck in their own hospitals, and they lose the connectedness and the opportunity that Nihi, Zashi, all of the regional engineering societies provide.
2: I think those of us that have been active in it, we miss it, and are we can't wait to be able to do that again. Um, and it's those people that haven't done it that they're like, I don't have time for that. I just don't have the time for it. Once they go to you're able to drag them out to one or two of them they're like oh you know what it doesn't really take that much time to participate um so it's really just breaking down the stigma that you know joining nihis rihis you know whatever chapter it is an organization it's not that much of a time commitment and the benefits that you're going to get out of it just outweigh any time commitment that it that it's going to take
1: yeah i agree cj and um and just the fact that we have just on the networking thing as well we're i guess like you said we're lucky that we've been doing this for a while and we know who to call but if we have questions on anything i mean i don't i know 20 people i can pick up the phone and i know they'll be excited to help me with a problem we are just that is just a an invaluable asset that that even beyond the education brings you just that that whole um helping each other out and um and i don't think it's going to go away i think that everybody wants to get back into it i mean there is no way that this this covid thing is going to is going to continue i mean it, it's it's obviously going to continue but there's no way that they can keep shutting the country down like this eventually we're going to be back to a, to whatever the normal is at that time um and we'll be able to get together again
0: yeah and I, you know maybe in a strange way the bounce back will be even stronger for folks who either miss it or just they, they want to reconnect and what better way to do it than, you know, through your, your local peers. What do Absolutely. you guys, you know, when you're now switching gears, just away from Nihis, going to your, um, you know, your role is as directors within, uh, a hospital. What are, you know, specifically, what are some of the, the challenges that you are dealing with? now and i guess you know relative because we talk i talk about this a lot with folks um challenges i guess relative to development um bringing in employees technological challenges money's always a thing so but but what are some of the biggest challenges you deal with on a daily basis you know in charge of your hospitals
1: cj
2: do you want to go first yeah so um biggest challenges day to day um
0: And we did, we just kind of spun off on this. When you guys were talking about uh, Nihis, that's how I, my mind just started to think of challenges. So I I kind of threw it out there because I was challenge oriented.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You know, the day-to-day biggest challenge, I think, you know, for me is the finance piece. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I have 15 different things that I could do and would love to do, but I can only do two of them. So really deciding, all right, which one do I defer? And which one do I have to do? Um, and ultimately, it comes down to which one is failing the most frequently. Um, you know, my staff are are good; they're really a talented group of people, um, and we all work together really well. So, when it comes to staffing, that's really not a, a challenge for me. Um, but it's the financial piece, and you know, what what emergency is going to come up next? Because um, <laughs> it's always the fire of the day.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> right, and I, it like just take it off of, on that as, um, and then it comes down to um, we're we're down on staff, and, and it's and one of the most difficult things that I've had to work with was is finding HVAC people that'll come work here because they're making so much money in the field. Um yeah. <laughs> it's been I think that's all across the board. It's just been a nightmare to 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 get these um, get these people in here to work with us. Um, and, and then trying to find ways to save money, um, to be able to spend it in other places. So I think a good example that, that we've taken at, um, Leahy, which is kind of cool, uh, that I can share with you is, you know, kind of like on the idea of the Nihis treasure hunts that we did, which are great. You go in with a bunch of people and you find, you know, deficiencies where you can save money. Well, just within our local area, um, Paul Cantrell, and he works with Jesse Stallions, who is um, basically, he's really good at um, um, all these um, getting the right things for projects and um, getting rebates and all that good stuff. And, and uh, we've been, they, they go around to each of the facilities and they're looking for just quick three, three years or less um, ROI projects that we can implement so we can get some money back to us that we can, so we can spend on the bigger things that we need to. And it's been really helpful. A lot of it is is, is ends up being control work, uh, like J, you know, with JCI, Siemens, whoever you use. But um, it's really been it's been a good thing for us. We're really working hard on that.
2: Yeah, and you know, Pete, to spin off what you're saying is staffing and hiring. You know, everywhere you look and hear, you hear about people being unemployed, unemployed, unemployed. But then you put positions out there and you get applications, but nobody that's truly relevant to the the job description. Um, so finding the right people right now, oddly, is challenging. doesn't matter if it's an HVAC tech, uh, general maintenance tech, management position. Um, for all the people that are unemployed, you would yeah. think it would be easy, but it's,
1: it's really challenging. Yeah, try to find a second or third shift maintenance tech that's really excited about doing that yeah it's been difficult <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah i'm sure it has in you we were um we we're talking about this yesterday i actually did a, a lunch and learn for the north carolina Healthcare engineering society but we've been doing them too and I'll, you know you guys were talking about the um the distance learning and the zoom platforms and all and, I, and i'm still trying to get used to that and i'll be honest i mean I know why we have to do it but I really do miss kind of the face to face that you get in those seminars and hopefully at some point we'll come back cuz you know there's nothing like when people are walking into a seminar you're there to greet them shake their hand which I know you're not supposed to do these days but you know shake their hand talk to them just look them in the eye and just start that informal conversation zoom works but you guys are right I mean it, it just takes you away from you know forming those more intimate relationships with people that carry on. So hopefully we get back to that, but we had a, you know, we were doing a lunch and learn for the North Carolina healthcare engineers and just talking about how difficult it is to find people. Cause you're right, CJ. I mean, you, you post a job, you have a manager job that you're recruiting for now and you'll get responses, but a lot of the folks don't have the healthcare background. And if they don't have the long-term care background, which you guys would always look at, cause that's where you came from. If they don't have either of those, it's very difficult. So you might get people, but they're not. I mean, you, you guys know there's you, you can't have much of a learning curve when you're going into a management position. Um, And if you have that learning right. curve. But I'd imagine, I mean, that is only going to increase over the coming years. I mean, just the demographics say that it's going to increase. So you're very marketable. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah so the good <laughs> news is you're marketable. The bad news is you can't find anybody to work yeah. for you.
1: And, and just look at the job that me and CJ have back in the day if you weren't an engineer you did not get this job right and yeah. and so and then once these once these jobs started coming up and and it's a high stress job it's 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 i I love it but it's not for everybody um, and now that and you're getting people that are coming up from different backgrounds and they need to learn some of these things and that's like um I thought it was great pete when uh, the first time i was in mystic and you and jack put on those um mini seminars about the soft skills i mean yeah. talk about getting people ready for the next level that that aren't going to come from that kind of background yeah
0: those are fun so to i do. thought that was thank yeah. you i enjoyed I, I do enjoy doing those and that's actually the next question so we we're we're, we're I've got two more questions. I'm, I'm talking to Pete Girard, facility manager, Addison Gilbert Hospital in Gloucester, Mass., I'm talking to CJ Brown, director of engineering at Women and Infants Hospital, Providence, Rhode Island. I appreciate their time this afternoon. T- two questions um, to wrap. One's around, and the first one is actually around the soft skills that you just mentioned, Pete. What do you guys, um, in the role, what do you feel the ideal breakdown is between technical skills and soft skills at the management level? Mm. Do you need 50? What do you think that, you know, which do you need? Are they equal? Is one more? What do you think?
2: I would, you know, it's, it's a really, it's a tough question, Pete, you know, right off the yeah. bat, I think 50, um, yeah. 50, you, know, you can be an extremely tech, technologically savvy, uh, can't really speak here person, but have no soft skills and you're not going to last in the, in the industry yeah. uh, or you can have all the soft skills in the world but don't understand how an air handler works and you're not going to last. So it doesn't necessarily have to be 50, 50, but you know, 50, 50, 60, 40, you know, right around, yeah. I, I think at least 60, 40,
1: I would say 60, 40 and 60 being soft skills, because I rely on my guys that are the experts that, you know, my electricians, my plumbers, all these guys that I I rely on them heavily to tell me, you know, um, where we're going, what kind of condition something's in. Um, and so I kind of feel like it's like, like you, you hit it on that one with the 60 40. Yeah.
2: And I, I agree with you also, Peter, that 60% soft skills, because it's, you gotta be able to talk to people. Um, Yes. You can learn how the mechanical systems work and eventually you might get to where you're 50 50, um, or even, but I think you need to have more soft skills.
1: Yeah, Especially nowadays with, um, with just the way things are in the world, you you have to be careful what you say. You gotta, and, and if you're that person that can get, get somebody to either do something or not do something and have a smile on your face and they agree with you, you're the right guy for the job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those, it's, it's a balance.
0: It is. Well, it's funny you say that, you know, um, Talking a little bit, and I think you're alluding, Pete, a little bit in one of your answers to having that, um, to having that shut off switch, and not everybody has that. You know, some of the feedback we'll get when we send a, a candidate into interview with an organization, I'll follow up with HR, and they'll just tell me, you know, so and so said this, and they look at it as just they don't have that filter. You know, whatever this happens to yeah. be, and that's really important. It's important if you're interviewing. It's important when you're. You know what, the table tongue, not everybody's got it. It's just a stream of consciousness. So you're right. And that is something you can work on. It can take time, but um, that's a really good point. You know, knowing how to say it and then knowing what to say um, yeah. are really important. Yeah, so, I came from
1: from construction background, and that's a tough – it was tough for me to go from construction into um, into the long-term care. It was funny. At the beginning, my, um, my boss, she was great. She goes, Pete, she goes – she goes, you know that you just said the F word, right? And I went, what? She goes, I know you come from construction. She goes, we need to work on that.
2: Yeah. you know.
1: I, luckily it was in just a room where it wasn't a big deal. But as soon as she told me that, I, I learned my lesson from that day. To, I gotta I got to filter what's coming out of this mouth.
2: Peter, you,
1: you got to not let people get to you and get upset.
2: You took the words right out of my mouth. Again, you know, coming from a Coast Guard military background. You know, I remember when I even started working as a nurse and then switched over to facilities, like, you know, the administrator, same, same thing. Him and I were sitting in a meeting with a few other people one day. And after the meeting was over, he was like, CJ, we got to talk. He's <laughs> like, do you realize how many times you said that? I, like, I didn't say it at all. He's like, yeah, he's said it like seven times. I was like, oh, all right. Yeah,
1: I was there. <laughs> That's funny.
0: <laughs> Pete, how did you... Uh- did they recruit you from your construction into the long-term care? Did they know you and bring you in that way, no, or did you it, decide to switch?
1: It's actually really funny because my dad had applied for the position because he had um, his. My dad worked for the same guy for thirty-five years. When he passed, he's like, "Well, I don't know what I'm going to do." And this job came. It's a director of maintenance. He thought he would just be, you know, you telling people, you know, what to do and blah blah blah. He didn't realize as a director of, of maintenance of facilities in a long-term care, it's hands-on. <laughs> and uh, he goes, you know, he goes, I, this job isn't for me. But I know somebody that would be great at this, and it would be my son. And um, and they called me up and said, "Hey, we talked to your dad," <laughs> and, and I got in there and I got the job, and it was great. That's great. That's awesome. But you, <laughs> yeah. you it's
0: funny. You both have you. Know, you owe Pete to your dad, and CJ, you owe to your wife. They both kind of got you into that next phase of your uh, career. It would have never they, happened. So. That's interesting. And I guess it just shows to being open to being open to what others, what others suggest for you. Um, final question. Coming up um, 2021. What do you guys anticipate for Nihis? Pete, are you done? Is your presidency done? But w- what is 2021 looking like? And I know you probably can't tell yet because we got a long way to go. But what do you think for Nihis in 2021?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm thinking. Well, I'll be the I'll be the past president, so I'll still be on the board, which is going to be a great. It'll be a great year. At least I'll be able to get out again. Um, but I'm thinking that if we, we've been talking about this, what happens if they put limits on how many people again, or if we can only have a hundred people, or however that works, that we may do some some form of combination of, hand, of hand, of in person virtual. Um, offering the same type of um, recorded sessions to people. So I think it's going to be kind of a hybrid that we're going to be doing if it comes to that. Um, my opinion, just, and I'm sure you both agree with me is if we can be in person, we all want to be there. I'm, I'm done with all this.
0: <laughs> I would yeah. prefer to, you people know, as know, well if we can. Yes.
2: Yep. Exactly. What Peter said right now, we're, you know, for the spring seminar, we're planning on going uh, in person, But at the same time, we're planning a hybrid model. So in the event we're either limited or we cannot do anything in person, we're already going down that path. And it's just a matter of flipping a switch and go all virtual again.
0: Where is your fall schedule? Where is your fall seminar schedule for?
2: So fall will be in Newport, Rhode Island this year. We are uh, keeping it here. So, you know. Fingers crossed that by the time September rolls around, we can come full in
1: person and enjoy beautiful Newport. And spring is um, Danvers again. We were lucky enough that both hotels um, didn't charge us anything, and they let us roll our conference over to the next year with no penalties.
0: Oh, that's good. I I was going to say, with all respect to Danvers, there is no better place to be than on the water in September when – Summer's over. The tourists are gone. The leaves. are... It's the best time of year by the water. No better time. Yes, it is. Yep.
1: Well, well, hopefully this, we'll uh, we'll all see each other there. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: this has been uh, this has been great. I thank both Pete Gerard, Facility Manager, Addison Gilbert Hospital, Gloucester; C.J. Brown, Director of Engineering, Women's and Ho- Women and Infants Hospital, Providence, Rhode Island. Thank you, gentlemen. This thank is you, Peter, Peter, Peter Martin. Thanks, Peter. My thank pleasure. We are signing off. We will talk to you again on the next High Reliability Podcast. Thank you all and have a great day.